Nathan and I walked to those elevators, went straight down to deck two. And when we got off, I saw a scene that I can only describe as something out of like a nature movie or Ghostbusters because (laughs) poor Sam was basically surrounded by three people in full Tyvek suits. One of them was carrying a sprayer, like the kind that you would see like your gardener carry a pump sprayer. And they were all standing, trying to stand. You could tell equidistant around her six feet from her as she kind of moved through the ship. dive into tonight's show. It is our 200th episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And so we needed to pause for one second to thank a lot of great folks out there in the community for helping us do this show. 200 episodes, Sam. 200 episodes. Holy cow. That's right. Holy cow. All right. Well, on this Easter weekend, holy cow, we'll all pray to the cows. All right. So I got to thank a couple people right up front who help us put this show together every month. And those are our Patreons. So I really want to thank in no particular order, Christopher Vorobeck, Kara Frankie, Daily MTB writer, who I know to be our favorite, uh, one of our favorite guests out there, Josh, Dave Hale, Brett Gresham, Chad Swindell, Jonathan Heil, Jim and Deb Mason, Steve Creasy, Jeffrey Federson, Jennifer Swart, Chris Braga and Steve Elsis out there. Thank you to each of you for being our Patreons. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, you help us support the show each and every week. If for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, head over to patreon.com slash DCL Duo. We've got some monthly support tiers that get you some fun things in exchange for helping us to defray the cost of putting out the show each and every week. A couple other folks I just want to thank are all of the fabulous guests we've had on. We can't do this show without guests and we can't do this show without listeners. And so really appreciate each and every one of our guests who've come on. We've had some great ones out there like Lynn Testa, guys over at Rope Drop Radio, Aaron from the Unofficial Guides has been on several times. Aaron Foster, Emma Cruises from the UK. We've had just such a wide range of great guests and influencers on the show who've really helped us out over the last couple of years. And so really excited about that. Can't, uh, can't not mention as well, Paul Thornton, the author of Joy of Cruising. Uh, so yeah, I have some great guests. Also need to thank our show sponsors uh, for helping us to put this show out. That was new this year to us is getting some sponsorship for the show. So have to thank Touring Plans and our travel agent over there at Touring Plans. Uh, love, love, love Touring Plans. Uh, such a great uh, travel agency and we use them all the time as we talk about on the show. Also, we have a new show sponsor for our bonus shows right now, Bliss Lits. And so uh, we will be talking more about them in the coming weeks, but just want to thank them for helping us out with the show as well. I will say I ended up using my blisslets quite a bit on these last two cruises. The Pacific Ocean was much more rough than it is out in the Atlantic and the Caribbean, and they were super helpful. If you don't know, blisslets are, I would say, the prettier version of sea bands. They are intended to help prevent seasickness on board of a cruise ship. They're also really good if you get seasick on a tender boat. Love our show sponsors. Thank you for helping us out uh, each and every month with your sponsorship to help us defray the cost of this show again. And so, and finally, I got to thank each and every one of our listeners out there, especially those of you who have taken the time to leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts, uh, especially the written reviews. We love the five-star reviews over there. They really keep us going. We don't make money off of the show. And so the thing that keeps us going is the community that we have built. It's been fabulous to see that community growing uh, over the last uh, year to six months as cruising has returned 
And so love to get the feedback from you, our listeners. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for leaving that feedback. And thank you to everyone out there who's just listening and downloading the show every week. Uh, As I said up front, we can't have a podcast if no one's listening. It's just us talking to ourselves, which I was doing plenty of before we started a podcast. (laughs) And thanks also to our listeners who have introduced themselves on board to us. We love meeting uh, fans of the show. We love chatting with you about your cruise experiences. And that is one way that we have found a bunch of guests for our show. And we will continue to do that. Like I said, there's a few folks I met on board on these last two cruises. We are going to have them on as guests. And if you are out there and you want to show your love of the DCL Duo podcast, you should reach out to us at dclduo at gmail.com, either if you want to be a guest on the show and share your cruising experience, or if you'd like us to send you some magnets uh, to take on board to show your love of the DCL Duo podcast, we'll send you some swag you can take on board, both some branded swag and some unbranded swag that we have uh, that's just fun ship-specific swag. So send us an email and uh, we'll get your mailing address and send it off to you for your next cruise. So thank you, everyone out there. 200 episodes. Unbelievable. Let's get on to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast. And we are coming to you live, but recorded from our fabulous one-bedroom stateroom on the Disney Wonder for the second leg of our back-to-back trip. It is a five-night Mexican Riviera voyage going to Capo San Lucas and Ensenada. We are on day four. Tomorrow's day five, our last day. A little tear trickling down my cheek as we are sailing to Ensenada. Um, we want to start by talking about the back-to-back experience, and we hinted at this in our last show that <laughs> it was a bit fraught. I will say that uh, San Diego seems like a tough port for Disney Cruise Line right now, and so when we docked off of our last cruise on the Fortnite, we were not berthed in Disney's usual slot. There were two Holland America ships in port at the same time as we were, and we were berthed basically right across the pier from where Disney normally docks in San Diego. As a result, we did not have access to the main terminal building to do things like disembarkation and testing. And so testing and embarkation processes move to the Wyndham Hotel, which is across the street from the pier and about probably a block and a half away. Let's start with the disembarkation process, Sam. It was, I would charitably call, kind of a mess. (laughs) And in part because we got almost no information in our stateroom about what we were supposed to be doing, where we should leave our luggage, whether we needed to tag it, whether we need to set it outside. We had to learn everything by asking the concierge host what we were supposed to be doing. And actually didn't even tell us where to go on disembarkation day, I don't think. But what were your impressions of disembarkation day, Sam? Yeah, it was kind of a a mess or as I like to call it an you know what show. Yeah, we had no information. We we had to ask. We did get some stickers and a card in our stateroom, but the card was just like a boarding pass for getting back on. And the stickers were the stickers we knew we were supposed to wear in order to get back on. But it still didn't tell us what time and where we needed to be. We did ask our concierge host and the answer was we had to be at Azure Lounge by 9.15 a.m. Spoiler alert, nothing happened at 9.15 a.m. There were a bunch of people in that lounge, but we were waiting there for quite a long time before we were taken uh, out and off the ship in in order to go through our disembarkation process, which means going through customs. Yeah. And I'll say one other thing. There were quite a few guests in Azure at 915, but there were also several like vendor contractors who were on board who had to get off uh, and then get back on the ship for whatever work they were doing on board. And so 
I'd say there's about 30 to 40 people in Azure Lounge. We did not actually disembark by my recollection until about 9.30 to 9.45. And then it took a long time for us to get through customs. If the U.S. citizen passengers were mostly fine, uh, there was a quick check the passports and you were done. But we waited forever for the various crew who were foreign nationals to go through what was a much more extensive customs process. And so... You know, my first comment back to Disney, well, one is better communication on the back to back. I had heard that they would leave information in your stateroom, that it was really, you know, that you were being guided along in the process. That was not our experience. We only learned because we asked and we talked to some other people who were not sailing concierge and they had the same experience. Some people didn't even get the stickers that they were supposed to be getting uh, in their stateroom. So feels like Disney's not back in its groove for those who are sailing back to back. My second piece of feedback was mixing us with the vendors and contractors seemed really unnecessary. Someone I was talking to while we were waiting sort of said, I don't understand why they didn't send these people off like 20 minutes ahead of us so they could get all their stuff done and then we could walk off behind them. Instead, we were standing around in a tent on the pier in the windy cold and rain uh, waiting for these folks to get done. So we were not out of that tent and leaving the port until probably... 1015, actually closer to 10, 1030. It was almost like regular port arrival time. We were not allowed to leave without our guide, which I also thought was kind of ridiculous because we can all find our way to the Wyndham pretty easily, but they wanted to process us first for testing. So that was, I guess, somewhat understandable. So we walked with our guide to the Wyndham. They lined us up and sent us through before all the regular passengers. We did rope drop testing. We Sam and I were literally the first people into testing, but let me tell you right now, we were the last people out of the tents after testing because when we showed up, they were doing their little stand up together meeting before they started the testing process. But apparently no one had thought to turn the computers on and make sure that they were all working and the computer in our tent was not working and it took them 15 minutes to get it working. Then Disney's system crashed, which meant that all of the pre-port health questionnaires went missing. And so they had to have everyone fill out a paper questionnaire. So we had to, after we tested, a lineup to get a paper questionnaire. While we were waiting in line, we were cleared to sail. Our tests came back. We were cleared to sail. And from there, no one knew what they they were doing in terms of letting people leave the room to clear to be clear to sail. So we could tell the Disney supervisor who we've seen in the past uh, was being very anxious with the new staff. They're training a ton of new staff for San Diego. And so none of them seemed to know what they were doing. And he was having to direct all of them. Uh, we were finally then issued a wristband and we were given 15 minutes and not a minute more to get back to the port. And if we were over our 15 minute time, then we had to go back and retest. And let me tell you, we were not going to retest. <laughs> Uh, We arrived back at the port probably around 11, uh, and then we waited in the waiting area. Our friends who were joining us in the cruise showed up, so we knew some regular passengers uh, who had the 1030 port arrival were starting to trickle in. It was at that point that they allowed us to reboard the ship, and within five minutes, regular passenger groups were also being called. So I understand that in other back-to-back experiences, people have said, oh, you meet in Azure, you get off, maybe you're off the ship for like 30 minutes, and then they give you a spot to wait back on board. And or you can head back to your stateroom. Not our experience. We were off the ship for a good two hours. Yeah. And by the time we rewarded, we were basically just rewarding with the regular passengers. So kind of a mess right now for back to back out of San Diego, in my opinion. I don't know what it's like out of Port Canaveral, but kind of a mess uh, out of San Diego at the moment. The ship will be headed to Hawaii soon, so they don't have much uh, time to figure the, <laughs> figure this stuff out. But hopefully lessons learned for when she returns after the Alaska season and starts uh, the Mexican Riviera cruises for the foreseeable future. Part of the mess of getting back to the cruise terminal also after the testing was 
getting back in, there were all these people lined up uh, because there were what three or four ships in port three. three three ships in port all boarding at the same time and the two holland america ships actually had priority over the disney ship for that boarding area so a lot of the areas that we had used on our first sailing to come onto the ship were just not available to disney so other big piece of news on this sailing is that we went from social distancing protocols to no social distancing protocols so masks not only optional but also social distancing became no longer a thing theaters can be full dining rooms can be full palo can be full that means a lot of the social distancing based restrictions that were on board have now lifted. And so self-service food is back in the concierge lounge and cabanas. The cabanas offering has been re-expanded back out to its pre-COVID offerings for the most part. It may be a little bit lighter than normal, but not by much based on what we've seen. No restrictions on pool capacity, no waiting in line there, zero restrictions on hot tub. And let me tell you, I've been in a few that have been exceedingly full pool is kids soup yet once again. And so that is happening. Characters are back to near normal. There's no hugging of the characters, but people are getting right up next to characters for pictures and there are no masks. Uh, I will say, so our sailing also has close to, if not over 1900 people on board, which is the largest sailing that the Wonder has experienced since the restart, according to the crew that we have talked to. Life is feeling fairly normal on board. I'd say in terms of mask wearing right now, it's less than 10% of people who I see wearing masks, even in places like the movie theaters. So did you see if snacks were back for sale at the movie theater yet or not? Did they have popcorn or anything? Yes. So they didn't, they don't have a movie theater shop here on the Disney Wonder like they do on the Fantasy and the Dream. But they do have a bar and snack area right outside of the Walt Disney Theater. It was not open this afternoon when we went to the movie theater. But as I understand, I have seen people with popcorn buckets on board and popcorn and other snacks are available for the Walt Disney Theater and for the movie theater. You just have to buy them over near the Walt Disney Theater. And it has to be in the evening time when that when that area is actually opened up. Sam, any other restrictions that you've seen lifted that I've forgotten uh, forgotten about? Oh, the bars. So in the Crown and Fin Pub here on The Wonder, they have late night bar snacks and those are also back. Again, self-service is back, as Brian said, but that's also true for the bar snacks. It's also true for the soda machines on deck. Really anything pre-COVID that was self-service is back to self-service. And as Brian said, no restrictions on capacity anywhere, including pool and hot tub. Yeah. And not breaking news, no reservations required for the kids club. But I know people have been wondering, you know, are they hitting capacity, things of that nature? They don't seem to be. We've been able to check both Nathan and his friend who's sailing with him into the kids club as often as we have liked and been able to leave them there for as often as they have wanted. Uh, So the kids club seems to be back at near full operation. They've got activities running. Kids are no longer restricted to, you know, hanging out in one room or another. They are just free for all in the kids club. On the spa side of things, they have brought back a ton of the spa services that had been suspended throughout the COVID return or had been very limited uh, in their offering. One thing that has returned that people have been anxiously awaiting is that the Rainforest Room is now back to day passes. I was talking to one of the spa managers and they said that they are limited to selling 30 passes per cruise at this point, which for the wonder is probably a pretty big number, frankly, although I actually want to pin Pencil out the math to understand why 30 day passes at $15 is a better financial win for Disney than a $200 for an hour and 45 minutes. 
because it feels like they could make more money in the private experience that we appreciated than selling 30-day passes a cruise. So maybe they'll go up. Uh, 30 seems like a lot to me, given that you can, there's only six heated loungers in the Rainforest Room. So it is going to be back to kind of the Hunger Games for those heated loungers uh, in the Rainforest Room. Of note that has not returned yet is the Palo Brunch Buffet. So we have been hearing conflicting information over whether or not that buffet is going to come back or not. Some people have said yes. Some people have been a little bit more apprehensive in telling us whether it's coming back or not. Uh, It sounds like if it's going to come back, it would be in the next few weeks, but they did not bring it back immediately. I will personally be interested to see if Disney brings it back because from a money and cost saving standpoint, I think the buffet is a win for Disney financially because it reduces so much food waste and enables them to just basically provision for menu items without having to provision for a bunch of extra stuff for a, to support a buffet. So I will be very interested to see if that actually comes back. One other thing that's not come back is a sail away party. Mm-hmm. So we have not, we did not have a sail away party. There have not been any organized deck parties, although we did have fireworks. One thing that has not escaped the pandemic, however, is our entertainment crew. So uh, we mentioned that on our last sailing, they had to cancel Frozen. They had originally scheduled Frozen for the last night of this sailing because they it seemed like they wanted to give the entertainment staff enough time under observation to allow them to run the show. Uh, It is clear that the entertainment staff, or we were told the entertainment staff was under observation because on our last cruise, we did not get Tiana in Tiana's place for Mardi Gras night, nor did we see Louie. Uh, The ship is under orange status with the CDC, meaning there is some crew who have reported positive cases. We understood that some of the entertainment crew is under observation. It now appears that at least some portion of that entertainment crew has tested positive because they have canceled Frozen again on this sailing and are replacing it with Disney Dreams and a... Originally, Frozen was scheduled for the last night and Disney Dreams was scheduled for the second to last night. They have now pushed Disney Dreams back to the last night of the cruise, and they've replaced Frozen with a couple of different offerings. The magician who was on night three is going to do two shows on night four, both in Azure. Encanto is going to be shown twice in the Walt Disney Theater, and there is going to be a character dance party on deck at 730, so between the two dinner seatings. So they have actually replaced it with quite a few things, but Disney Dreams is going to now happen on the last night. So just, you know, they've rejiggered things and tried to replace with some other offerings. And I'll be interested to see if this also means we don't get Tiana and Louie again in Tiana's place. So uh, so hopefully everyone's OK on the entertainment staff side of things. You know, I also just worry as Disney started to lift the restrictions just a little too fast in relation to where these ships are actually at in terms of the at least the crew related risk, because the wonder has been sitting in orange status with the CDC, which is its second, uh, you know, well, its highest status below red, which means the CDC might actually suspend sailings on the ship. It's been in orange status since it uh, had its Panama Canal cruise. Hopefully Disney's not ahead of its skis on lifting these restrictions on board the Wonder because it does seem to be having some impact on the uh, on the crew. So the other big difference for us on this sailing is that we we are still in a one bedroom concierge suite, but we have moved from a category 2B to 2A. And I would say the biggest difference between the two is that the 2A is much larger than the 2B room that we were in. I would say the 2B room is the equivalent of kind of combining two family deluxe, you know, veranda staterooms together and then, you know, gutting them and relaying them out so that they get two bathrooms and a living space and, you know, wet bar, that kind of thing, along with the, the bedroom and walk-in closet. The 
2A category is more the equivalent of combining three family deluxe ocean view staterooms. Our balcony is actually triple wide. We still have, you know, same sleeping space, except that the Murphy bed that would be in the bedroom of the one bedroom is now in the family area, along with a pullout couch. So this, again, will sleep four people in that living space in addition to two more people in the one bedroom itself, two full baths. The walk-in closet is much larger. The bathroom has sacrificed a little bit of space in the master, but not enough that it's it's noticeable, but it's not impacting the experience at all. The living space is gigantic, and we've actually been able to host our friends and their son, you know, hanging out in our stateroom quite a bit for happy hour and that sort of thing. So, and the deck is large enough that we actually have six deck chairs out there. They only gave us four, but I requested two more and they happily accommodated. So, it is a much larger stateroom than the Category 2B. Not sure we need it in terms of space for our sailings. We're perfectly happy with the Category 2B, especially on the cost. The placement of the two A's, though, is nice because it is right at midship. And so we can walk very quickly up to the concierge lounge. Interestingly enough, they also adjoin. So you can you can combine two cat, two A, one bedrooms on the Wonder. I'm not sure why you would exactly, but you could. So, so yeah, so it's a nice stateroom. Very nice, Sam. I guess our biggest complaint, right, is that this is like the haunted mansion in here. Oh, my God. It creaks like crazy, particularly, well, really when we're at sea. So sea days and at night, it's all of the wood is creaking as the ship rocks. And I right now, actually, as we're recording, our room is creaking like crazy. Whatever. It's like it's first world problems in here, but. It is definitely at night. You can hear it. And actually, last night it was creaking in a way that I thought somebody was jiggling a door handle and trying to get in a room. So these concierge rooms, obviously, they have a lot of wood paneling bolted to steel frames. And so when something's got a flex, it's the wood. And so it creaks uh, quite a bit. Otherwise, I'd say, Sam, the ceiling has been mostly uneventful. We did get off in Cabo San Lucas and we did a beach break tour, which um, I'd say would, I'd give I'd give maybe a seven out of 10 stars again a lot of disorganization on the tour side of things. Yes, um, we had a long wait for a bus uh, or a coach bus in between our boat part of the excursion and our beach part of the excursion. And we had not such great service from the waiters down at the beach. Well, and maybe we should explain that the excursion involved, we got off the ship, we had to tender in Cabo to the dock. Our excursion involved a catamaran tour and then a bus ride to a resort to spend two and a half hours on the beach. The catamaran tour was good, though. The catamaran tour yes, part of it was great. So that's what I was going to say. The catamaran tour was fantastic because we found a small pod of humpback whales. And so we got to watch a, a mother and baby basically playing, frolicking in the water. The baby was incredible and like laying on its back. And it, it was just amazing. And yeah, we had to wait an extended period of time for a bus. It was lots of like lining up and waiting. And then like, I think we waited for a half hour for the bus, which then meant they cut 30 minutes off the beach time, which they were trying to claim just meant, well, the 30 minutes was actually for the bus back and forth, which was not how the tour was described. Honestly, if it were me and actually we're going to be back in December twice to Cabo on a back-to-back -back sailing we have on the Wonder, I might just grab a cab over to one of the resorts that we were at. You can buy a day pass on the beach to sit in the roped-off area with a chair and some, you know, an umbrella and get bar service and that sort of stuff. Honestly, might do that. It's probably less expensive than the Disney excursion and you can take as much time at the beach as you'd, you'd like. Cabs seem plentiful to get back from the resort over to 
the port itself. You know, one word of caution, not as bad as what we experienced in Ensenada, but on the beach at Cabo, lots of vendors kind of walking along the beach. Uh, I'd say before you head out to just do a regular beach experience, uh, you know, maybe look for one of these places that sells a day pass where you sit on the beach with an umbrella because the vendors did sort of respect the roped off area between the beach and where we were sitting. That said, they would stand right at the rope and block our view of the ocean trying to, you know, hawk their wares. You know, again, not a big deal, far less aggressive than what we experienced in in Sonata. So not complaining at all. My only complaint was really we didn't feel like we got full time on the beach. We are stopping in Sonata tomorrow, although we are planning to treat it like a sea day since it's our last day on board and love to get some kids club time for the kids and some adult pool time for the parents. Weather has not been that great on this cruise. We had excellent weather in Cabo, I will say that. At sea, it's been chilly and windy. When the sun's been out, it's been you know warm enough to get into the hot tubs or maybe in a heated pool for a little bit, but otherwise... You know, this isn't the sunny and 80 degree weather that we've experienced in other sailings. But, you know, time of year is what it is. There is a warm front moving through, which means tomorrow in Ensenada, it should be nice and warm for us. So we're hoping to take advantage of that and get some pool time in, try to pack up early and get some pool time in throughout the day so we don't have to worry about it. So one more day on board, we'll be back to talk a little bit more about the sailing and and our experience uh, with some of the dining and other things on board when we come back. But for now, we'll leave it there and talk to you again soon. Talk to you soon. All right, we are taking a little break from our trip report from Sam and I to have yet once again your favorite guest back on the show, Nathan. So Nathan, we've been on a fun five-night cruise with some friends. Have you been having a good time on this cruise? Yes. What's your favorite thing that you've gotten to do on this cruise, on the cruise we're on? Play with my friend and also go on the pool on the pool deck because today, yesterday, it was fun, but today... It wasn't bright, so I could wear my goggles. And from the ship rocking, there was huge waves in the pool. And sometimes you'd have to grab onto the wall or hold your breath when you were on the side. A wave was coming on. Yeah. And you've been going to the kids club a lot this time around. Has the kids club been fun? Yep. It's been really fun. Nice. And you made some stitches. Space goo. Space goo. Was space goo fun to make? Mm-hmm. And also they called the plastic bags stew and they called the water you use to make the the uh, slime not stick. Uh, they called it a uh, chemical X, even though it's really just water. <laughs> I just noticed, Nathan, by the way, you have a fun souvenir you got on board this trip. What was the thing that you got from the gift shop on this trip? Uh, a turning red pillow and blanket. Yeah. And it's it's it, what does the pillow look like? It looks like a red panda head. Is the blanket that came with it really comfy? Yeah, it's basically like a regular blanket. (laughs) Nice, nice. Well, have you had a fun time so far on this cruise? Yes. All right. Well, we will leave it there with Mr. Nathan. He's got some more fun ahead of him. He's giving two thumbs up to his friend who's sitting here, too. So uh, we will have him back again when we have more to talk about from our trip. But thanks, Nathan, for coming on. You want to say goodbye to everybody? Bye. Ten days since we got off the cruise, and there's a very specific reason why that number is important uh, since we disembarked the Disney Wonder for the cruise. We'll get to that in a second. First, we want to recap what was left. Uh, When we last left off, we had gotten back from our short excursion in Cabo. 
were on a C day at the time we were recording, and we had Ensenada the following day. Sam, let's talk about activities that we did on board the ship because we haven't done this in sequence. We've been talking previously about protocols being lifted and things like that. But let's talk about some of the activities we did on board and some of the fun we had leading up into the end of the show, which where things get really interesting. So, Sam, activities we did on board. I'll start really quick with um, I did my first whiskey tasting on board with a friend of ours. It was held in the evening in the Cove Cafe, which I thought was kind of interesting. I hadn't seen a, a drink tasting in Cove Cafe before. Before. In fact, I went to the wrong place because all the drink tastings on board had been in the Cadillac Lounge, uh, and this one was in the Cove Cafe. So went to the Cove Cafe. It was a really good whiskey tasting. I don't know that I do it again, mostly because while I enjoy bourbon and scotch, I don't enjoy necessarily all the bourbons and scotches out there in the world. I have a pretty particular palate for it, having grown up in Kentucky, so I have my favorites. It was a good smattering of things, really interesting stuff to taste, but I think it's a one and done for me on that front as opposed to the kickstart your day drink tasting that I've done in the past. I'd love to do again because that was just a fun way to start the uh, to start the day. And I thought the martini tasting was kind of fun. I might do that again to just see if we could get a better sort of bartender who um, I could understand a little bit better to understand the history there. And it does seem like there's some gin tastings and stuff that they're starting on the wish that I'd like to experience. So enjoyed the drink tasting. Don't know that I do the whiskey one again, but it was a fun time and uh, our friend definitely had fun doing it. So that was a good drink tasting, I thought. Sam, you did a champagne tasting with our friend and so uh, our friend's wife, I guess I should say. We can identify them here. We were on board with uh, a couple, Emily and Chris and their son, who was Nathan's age. So you did a champagne tasting with Emily. What did you think of the champagne tasting? The champagne tasting was really, really nice. We tried five different champagnes. First, we got four served to us. And then we the fifth that was served to us after we had tasted the first four was Moet Ice. We had a, a Veuve Clicquot, we had a Tattinger, we had a Moet and Chandon, uh, we had a Bollinger, and then we had a, the Moet Ice as our finale. The bartender who did our champagne tasting, was uh, uh, this was in the Cadillac Lounge, was Marcos, who was our sommelier in Palo. So who's super knowledgeable about the champagne. It was a really nice tasting. And Emily and I were seated with another couple. Uh, shout out to Robert and Jessica. I know Robert listens to the show, so I wanted to say hi, Robert, and hi, Jessica. They were lovely to chat with, big DCL fans, and, um, and Robert's a big podcast listener in general listens to a lot of the same shows that we have been guests on as well. Uh, a couple of other activities we did as a family were the silent DJ party. I also took the boys to the magician show that night, the C day. I can't remember the name of the magician, but it was the replacement for the frozen show. Um, we also checked out the movie theater a little bit that day. And uh, spoiler, you can bring snacks into the movie theater and eat them in the movie theater once again. So that's a demonstration of one of the protocols. There were a lot of game shows. There was kids made slime in the kids club. Just, you know, characters came back to the kids club. There were just a lot of a lot more activities on board everywhere. Well, and spoiler, there's some news this week that we learned for concierge guests that they are now allowing not only snacks back in the main theater, but they have instituted on the Wonder a trial run of allowing concierge guests to enter the main theater for the stage shows 10 minutes ahead of the rest of the guests to select their seats and be served free popcorn. So might be coming to a ship near you if you're sailing concierge. We just heard about that this morning. So yes, snacks are returning to theaters as social distancing continues to drop on board the cruise lines. Still no word yet on the Palo Brunch that we mentioned in the first part of the show. Haven't heard anything more about that. So other activities that we did on board, Sam, that uh, th that you remember or recall that we, uh, we especially stood out for you? 
You know, we spent some time going hanging out on the pool deck. We spent some time hanging out in the concierge lounge. There were a few more um, game show experiences, but the kids were not super interested in going to them. So we really didn't go to very many of those. I did want to say that I did meet another listener on the pool deck, Amita and her family who were sailing with us. Awesome to meet her, get to know her. She and her husband are also both attorneys, so it was a, we had a fun little chat. And uh, yeah, it was just really nice. Met a lot of listeners. I did deliver a ton of magnets around the ship on both this cruise and the previous cruise, which brings me to another update about fish extenders. So fish extenders were still not allowed on this cruise, although there were lots of people who had fish extenders hanging from their, their fish outside their door. And a lot of people were doing magnet exchanges and were pixie dusting, meaning just randomly giving stuff out. Um, so that was fun to see. But now fish extenders, there is no more longer a ban. So there will be fish extender gift exchanges uh, beginning immediately, I believe. Yeah. So lots of updates out of the cruise line over the past week as, again, things continue to sort of return to normal aboard Disney Cruise Line. Let's talk about dining, Sam. So I, I I don't think there's much remarkable from a dining standpoint. We had same restaurants on board. I think the big news that I'll have to report on for reasons we'll get into in a second is that we did get Louie and Tiana back for Mardi Gras night in Tiana's place. Notably, the keyboard player was missing this time, however. So I'm curious if he fell victim to the same COVID quarantine issues that the rest of the entertainment staff had. So we only had two musicians on stage, but we did get the full Mardi Gras experience. Louie and Tiana were there throughout the course of the show. So it was great to see them back. Uh, the kids had a fabulous time at Mardi Gras. Nathan showed our friend's son the ropes and paraded him through the restaurant. And uh, they just had a blast, got some great photos of them. So Mardi Gras was back. Beignets were amazing as always. The drinks were good. The food was great. So had a great time back at Tiana's place for Mardi Gras. You know, we did do Palo dinner and Palo brunch. It did not disappoint. We talked about this on the last show, part one, uh, day four of our cruise. We had the same server, Felipe, who we absolutely loved. Sasha up in Palo is also one of our favorite servers who we, we love. I will say for brunch this time around, we did have them make Palo sticky buns again. So we requested those in advance of the Mater D and he accommodated that request. They were not as good this time around as they were on our cruise in February. I don't know what happened, but that caramel sauce looked like it had broken or something. So it was kind of clumpy and weird looking and, you know, still tasted decent, but they were not the Palo Sticky Buns of old. So, you know, as I said in the front part of the show, you know, I guess fingers crossed maybe they'll bring that brunch back. I'm skeptical that they will. The, the brunch buffet back, that they'll bring that back, but I'm skeptical that they will. So, uh, you know, hopefully if they do, though, those Sticky Buns will be a little bit better than the ones we experienced. I don't know. Do you find those kind of weird? See them this time around? I thought they were a little bit different. I didn't think that they were weird or bad or anything, but they there were not there was not as much of that caramel sauce and they were they were bigger than the, the sticky buns we've had before. All right, we're taking a quick pause here and excited to welcome a new show sponsor to our show who's going to be sponsoring our bonus episodes, at least for the next couple of months, and that is Blisslets. And so if you've not heard of Blisslets before, First, you're probably going to be seeing them on board the Disney ships here pretty soon and being sold in the Disney stores. They are a fabulous alternative to C-Bands. So Sam got a chance to check them out on our last cruise. They were kind enough to send her a couple of pairs to try out. Sam suffers from some seasickness and motion sickness at times and has used C-Bands in the past to try and alleviate that. And so she decided to give these blisslets a try. The two things Sam loved most about her blisslets were one, they're a much more stylish alternative to the traditional C-Bands, but two, they also were better 
constructed. Uh, she said that she felt like they would hold up a lot better to the wear and tear on board than uh, the C-bands would. So she really liked them. They had a lot of great styles, even have some in leather. Uh, and so really, really nice product that she enjoyed. And she can't wait to try them out again on our cruise coming up here soon. So if you are a traditional C-bands user, but you're looking for something that's just maybe a little bit nicer to wear on board the ship, then head over to blisslets.com and check them out. We highly recommend them. And Sam has really enjoyed the product so far. So head over there, check them out. And thanks to Blisslets for sponsoring this bonus show. All right. Well, that brings us to the exciting news, which any of you who follow us on social media will know. The reason that the 10 days is important between the end of the cruise and us sitting here now to record the second half of this show is that is the length of time one must quarantine once they've gotten COVID. And so I want to start by thanking my lovely wife, Samantha, who went a little overboard on the not mask wearing on board the Wonder this time and managed to pick up COVID. So on the evening of our sea day, Samantha started to feel a little tickle in her throat. And uh, I noticed that she was coughing a little bit. And so I asked her if she was not feeling well. And she said she might be getting sick. Uh, We went to bed that evening. And I think in the middle of the night, she noted that she felt like she was definitely getting sick. And so the next morning, we gave her a rapid test in the room, which came back negative. And I figured maybe she picked up a cold. We picked up a cold on our November cruise. And so not unusual. And uh, I certainly thought given all of the numbers and rates occurring around the country right now, it felt like a lower likelihood that it was COVID actually, given that everyone had tested and that we had tested, antigen tested only a few days before. But I did advise that she should call Ships Medical because every passenger on board gets a notification every day of the cruise that uh, if you're having COVID-like symptoms, you should contact the medical personnel. And so she did. uh, And they did come up in not full PPE yet because we discovered what full PPE looks like. And Sam can talk about that in a minute. Well, here, I'll let Sam explain. So two, two folks showed up, Sam. What happened? So we heard them actually right outside our door and we put our masks on knowing that they were likely to come in our room to administer a COVID test, a PCR test to me. They actually were in the middle of putting on their PPE, putting on the sort of like a hospital type gown. They were already wearing face masks, but then face shield. So they came in and did what I would call a very abbreviated physical exam of me, meaning they, you know, used the stethoscope to listen to my breathing, which sounded fine. They checked my, uh, my pulse. Uh, They checked my blood pressure. I believe my blood pressure was high, but everything else seemed normal. But they did administer a PCR, rapid PCR test, but it was the brain poke type. This was super duper far into my brain. This was actually the first one that I had had that was like this. Yeah. And let me explain my earlier comment, which is just that since they dropped social distancing and they had already dropped mask wearing and that this was the second half of our cruise and we had navigated the first part of the cruise with 1300 people on board. I don't know if we actually talked about capacity on this cruise in the first part, but I will repeat it here. We had 1900 passengers sailing on this cruise of 2400, which is a pretty full ship. But Sam led the way and sort of leaving her mask behind in the room. And so Nathan and I also sort of were less likely to wear masks around the ship this time around. And so we were in crowded indoor spaces with people who were other people who were not wearing their masks because it was not required. No one to be clear about that. And so, yes, they did the brain poke. Uh, we ate breakfast and waited patiently for the phone call. I will say I was trepidatious, but at the time was thinking, well, she didn't pass the antigen test and she has symptoms. And so Uh, If she was going to come up positive on a test, I figured she'd come up positive on the antigen test because once you have symptoms, those things are pretty accurate. So was not overly worried about it. But then, Sam, the phone rang and what happened? 
So the phone rang and it was the same doctor who had come into the room and done my exam. And she was telling me that I was positive. So I got a positive PCR test. This was probably, I don't know, 11 a.m., maybe at this or 11.30 a.m. at this point on our C day. Um, And we had spent the morning pretty much in our room because once we called, we had to wait for Ship's Medical and then they advised us until the until the test came back to not leave the room. They were told me I was going to be quarantined, but they gave me no information at that time that that meant that I was going to be quarantined someplace differently or someplace different from the room that we were in because we actually had a one bedroom. And so we figured Brian and Nathan would sleep in the living room since I had already obviously infected the bedroom and Brian was testing negative and, and, and uh, had no symptoms and same with Nathan. But I should clarify, testing negative, they did not PCR test Nathan and myself. And the instructions that Nathan and I were given were that although they had not tested us because we did not have symptoms, we could wear masks and continue to roam about the ship as long as we had our masks on for indoor spaces. So I will just step aside and say, I thought that was a little odd. I felt like Disney might have wanted to have PCR tested us because, spoiler alert, when we got home... The day after we got home, which we'll talk about the getting home process, I did test positive for COVID. So I have had COVID this week. Nathan has also been symptomatic. So we, you know, we're pretty convinced he had COVID for the week and has been out of school. And so all of us ended up having COVID, but Nathan and I were allowed and cleared by Ships Medical to go about our business on the ship as long as we wore masks. Nathan did go into the kids club with a mask on because we were told that that was perfectly acceptable and okay. We did wear our masks at all times, except when we were eating and drinking or outside. The two friends we traveled with and their son, who we were in close contact with that day, did not get COVID. They have not tested positive since they got home, uh, and it's been over 10 days. So I just will say from a protocol standpoint, I thought that that was a little bit of an oddity to me because I figured then Disney would PCR test both of us to determine whether or not we also had to go into quarantine, and they did not do that. So just be aware that there can be people testing positive on board the cruise ship from PCR standpoint, but their close contacts aren't required to do anything unless they become symptomatic. So Sam, after I went and got Nathan from the kids club so he could give mommy a hug goodbye because yes. Yes. So shortly after that call with Ships Medical, I got a call from, I believe it was guest services telling me that not only was I being quarantined, but that I needed to quarantine separately from the rest of the passenger. So I was going to be taken down to deck two to quarantine in a different stateroom. I will talk about that in a minute. But when I was told about the quarantine, they told me that Brian and Nathan could either stay in our current stateroom and they would be able to, as Brian said, freely move about the ship, or they could quarantine with me down on deck two, but it would mean that they would be in isolation, meaning they would not be able to leave the cabin. So I made the executive decision at that point. I would quarantine solo because at that point, Nathan and Brian had no symptoms. They were not sick. They were testing negative. And my hope was that they would continue to not get COVID. Now, that was a fail, as Brian said, but I don't believe they actually caught COVID on the ship. I believe that Nathan and Brian likely caught COVID from me in the car on the way home. I guess we should talk about my my quarantine. Yeah, yeah, so Sam is... 
we are not in the stateroom when this happened. Sam hung out in the stateroom for another hour or so and then and packed up. Uh, and then they came and got her. And Sam, just tell folks what the process was like end to end from the time you left our stateroom until we saw you again the next day. Okay. So they asked me how long I needed to get ready. I said, you know, can I have about an hour? Because I wanted to pack up all of my stuff and as much of uh, our collective stuff as I could so that Brian wouldn't be left to pack up everything in order to disembark the next day. And I took a shower in our, you know, in our stateroom. And so they came to get me at about noon. When I say they, um, they are multiple individuals wearing full Tyvex plastic suits, wearing face shields and face masks. And they essentially cleared the hallway and where they made sure there was nobody in the hallway. And they took me to a crew hallway sort of the back hallways that the that the crew use. And I was taken in like what I would call a service elevator down to the second floor. This was close to midship. Um, I think we ended up going a little bit forward. Um, I was taken down to a hallway that was first marked, you know, do not enter or something like that. No unauthorized entry. And then beyond that, I was taken to another hallway with a door sign that said isolation or, or quarantine or something like that wing. So it was a a hallway of rooms. And I know there were other people in isolation because there were food remnants or, you know, when you think of room service plate, plates and things like that outside of the, the door. So these people, there were other people being quarantined. I surmised later on that they are they were crew and not other guests, but I was taken to stateroom number 2032. It is a category 9C, meaning it's a deluxe ocean view stateroom. It has a porthole window. I did take a little bit of video from it, so we'll post that at some point. It was a room that could have held three people, meaning there was one of the regular queen size beds, and then there was one of the the couches and the couch was folded down. And oddly enough, the crew that took me there, they thought my family was coming thereafter. So clearly they they thought that we were all going to be quarantined, but I told them, no, I was quarantining just by myself. There were supposed to be water and drinks left for me as well as menus. Those were missing from the room. So I ended up getting those later when I got a call uh, in the room from guest services. I was told I could order anything off the room service menu or anything off the dining room menus. Um, and they did end up uh, leaving me a paper menu for Tiana's for that night, but I ended up ordering something else. Basically, anyone who came to my room to deliver anything was wearing a full Tyvex bodysuit and was wearing the, you know, uh, mask. Um, some of them were wearing face shields, but not all of them were wearing face shields. It was a very minimalist uh, circumstance in that there was basically nothing in my room except for the, you know, the stuff that comes in the room, meaning like the TV. Uh, it, it did have a split bathroom. It was just a standard ocean view. There are no, there was no veranda. It was a porthole for the ocean view. It was a nice size porthole. You know, when you're sick, you really want some fresh air. I got no fresh air. I could have all the soda and water I wanted, which is, of course, not really what I wanted. I would have preferred tea. At one point, I did ask for tea and that was brought to me. Um, I did get lunch. I had a hamburger and I ordered some chicken soup as well. I had that for lunch. Basically, I was by myself 24 hours or actually a little less than 24 hours confined to the room. When I say confined, the room was not locked from the outside. I could open the door. So there would have been nothing to prevent me escaping. I was not, you know, I was not being imprisoned, let me put it that way. But they didn't give me a room key for that room. So if I left that room, I was going to 
be locked out of that room. So I would have had to have found someone to let me back in. And it was not like I was being checked on. I was not being checked on by anyone in person. The guest services woman, I think her name is Rufano, was uh, calling, called me a few times to try and figure out what our arrangements for getting home were. That was kind of her big focus. And I tried to really put her off to talk to Brian because I was in no shape to really have that conversation. I was pretty sick by that point. Yeah. And so something you mentioned up front was just that you surmised that you were the only guest down on deck two in quarantine. And I just wanted you to tell folks before I dive into my half of the story, how you surmise that. Sure. All of my food was brought to me on room service trays, normal flatware plates, you know, the stuff that you see in the dining room or the stuff that you see when you order room service from a, a stateroom. And so every time I finished my food, I would like set out the, the entire tray in the hallway and then somebody would come and get it. And every time I opened my door to do that, which I always did fully masked, I looked down the hall in both directions. And every time I did that, all I saw on the floor outside of the other staterooms in that hallway were paper, like the paper cups that you would use from the on-deck soda machines and like paper plates, throwaway type stuff. So it was not as nice as what I was being served on. So that's how I surmised initially that I was the only guest in quarantine. But also when we disembarked the ship, as far as I could tell, we were the only family who disembarked in the way that we did, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. And so I just want to go back to my half of the story here, which is just that there was a total lack of communication or a significant lack of communication. After Sam left, we got nothing about her status. You know, no one checked in with us. I did ask the concierge at one point for some information, and he did contact the public health folks and guest services on board to help me cobble together what we were supposed to be doing, because I didn't know, for instance, if we were supposed to be sitting our luggage out that evening if we wanted it carried off. I didn't know how we would meet up with Sam. I didn't know if we should disembark through express disembarkation or wait for luggage tags to be called, any of that stuff. I learned through asking that we were to not set our luggage out that, that evening, that the aim was to disembark disembark us ahead of the other guests in the morning that they were seeking permission from Customs and Border Protection to have us disembarked separately ahead of the other guests in the morning after arrival around 7.30, which I will say threw a real wrench in the works for me getting breakfast for Nathan and myself. I ended up not eating breakfast, but given the unique nature of the circumstance, it's all fine. But the issue was they told me they were trying for that. They weren't sure that they would get it. And so we might end up being on board until 10, 10.30 or even 11 uh, in the day and they wouldn't be able to tell me anything until the next morning. They did tell me not to set my luggage out, that someone would come assist us off the ship with the luggage. And so did that. Uh, I'd say the next morning I did finally get, I was texting back and forth with Sam to see if she was getting any updates. I did get a phone call at 7 a.m. advising that they had made good progress with the Customs and Border Protection folks and that they did believe they would be disembarking us at about 7.30. At 7.30, I got a phone call and I think Sam did as well, basically telling us that the car service, so Disney did arrange for a private car to pick us up and take us to the airport, but that the car service was going to be about 15 minutes late. We're to get there around 7.45. At 7.30, we did get a knock at the door and two crew members did come to haul our luggage down to where we were going to disembark. And so the luggage left, but we were told to wait in the stateroom. I know Sam was taken out of her room at one point uh, because they were going to disembark her, but then they figured out they weren't ready for her yet. And so then they tried to get her back in her stateroom and she didn't have a key card. And then she did finally get back in the stateroom for probably a total of five minutes. 
And then at about 7.45, 7.50, we did get the phone call that we should head to the forward elevators to deck two and that someone would be there to meet us and help us get off the ship. Nathan and I walked to those elevators, went straight down to deck two. And when we got off, I saw a scene that I can only describe as something out of like a nature movie or Ghostbusters because <laughs> poor Sam was basically surrounded by three people in full Tyvek suits. One of them was carrying a sprayer, like the kind that you would see like your gardener carry a pump sprayer. And they were all standing trying to stand, you could tell equidistant around her six feet from her as she kind of moved through the ship. And as I understand it from Sam, they were basically spraying the air behind her as she walked with disinfectant. And when we got off the elevator, they looked like deer in headlights because they're like, who are these people? And Sam was like, well, that's my family. So we joined Sam. Uh, our luggage was there and they were asking us if we could haul it off the ship. And we said, we, we can't. We had enough luggage that we were expecting them to help us take it off, which they did. And then we managed to basically wheel it. There was a Customs and Border Protection official at the gangway on deck two just for us. Sam, Sam's correcting me, it was deck one. Sorry, all of this was on deck one. The Customs and Border Protection person was there just to look at us. She checked our passports, cleared us, and then a Disney representative was there who helped us walk off the ship. I just want to say one thing was really weird about the Customs and Border Patrol person because they actually did have us pull our masks down to see our faces, which I thought was surprising given the fact that I had COVID. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that, though, because they have you do it at regular. I mean, they have to see who you are to make sure that you're not you know, someone you're not. So I, she was wearing a mask. Everyone else around was wearing masks. So uh, we got off the ship. We had to wheel our luggage. Basically, we were disembarked pier side. Uh, off of deck one, we walked down the pier through a security gate and there was a car waiting. He helped us load up all of our luggage. Obviously, we're all wearing masks at this point as well. Uh, and basically, he drove us from the port to the airport uh, and had the windows down the whole way. So, I mean, he was clearly apprised that what he was up to was transporting someone with COVID to the airport. Now, I want to put a big asterisk in the airport for a second. We were due at the end of this cruise to drive up to Disneyland and stay at the Grand Californian for a couple nights in a grand villa with our friends and their son. And then we were supposed to be flying out of John Wayne Airport, Orange County Airport, uh, to Seattle because we are the people that we are, <laughs> because we did not want to get in trouble with anyone at all. Uh, we canceled our flight out of Orange County and we did not cancel our hotel stay at the Grand Californian because our friends still needed the room and it was on DVC points. So we couldn't have canceled it same day, even if we wanted to. And I did not have the time at this point or the brain power at this point to call into DVC and wait for whatever, five and a half or six hours for someone to take my phone call to sort all of this out to see if we could could do anything. So we we did is change a one-way car rental that we had booked from San Diego to Orange County to be a one-way rental from San Diego to Seattle. So yes, we drove from San Diego to Seattle, masked the entire way over the course of two days. It's a 13... 100 mile drive. We drove from San Diego to Redding, California, about 650 miles away, uh, stayed overnight at a Marriott there. We did book two hotel rooms so that Sam could sleep separately from Nathan and I, because at this point we were still not testing positive for COVID. And then we drove from Redding into Seattle the next day in the rental car. And I returned the rental car when we got home. And uh, lots of junk food along the way, but here's the here's the story. Disney did call us almost immediately once we were in the rental car. Sam started getting phone calls from Disney Corporate in Orlando or Disney Cruise Line Corporate in Orlando, and we were given kind of a I'll call him a case officer who was there to help us 
along the way. Sam explained that we were going to be driving home and we were basically told, save all of your receipts for the rental car, any hotels, any food, snacks, gas, all of that stuff. And Disney would reimburse us for that. If we'd experienced any flight cancellation fees, anything of that nature, Disney would pay for that. Anything that was sort of trip interruption, Disney was going to pay for. And so we did. We did that. And I have now submitted those off to Disney Cruise Line, and I don't expect it to be any sort of huge hassle. In the interim, we've had several phone calls with the Cruise Line uh, individual who's been helping us. And he also ended up, we told them that the biggest expense that we faced was that we had this grand villa booked at the Grand Californian. And we did not get to take advantage of that. We were not in a position to be able to call DVC to do anything about it. And our friends needed the room. And so they had indeed used it, but we had not been able to use it ourselves. Disney did compensate us for that. They did a point conversion calculation to cash for what the room would have cost in cash. Uh, And then they deducted what they reasonably thought was the price of a studio from that uh, that would have accommodated our friends and their son. And they are giving us basically the difference in cash. And I will say it is about the price of a, you know, low-end Disney cruise in, you know, an Ocean View stateroom for seven nights. So it was... Uh, It was a nice thing for Disney to do. I was actually surprised that they kind of came to that conclusion on their own. I thought we might have to go back and forth with them a little bit or end up with really no compensation for the DVC stay. I will say this, Disney, I think once we were off the ship, handled everything 100% above board. And I think, you know, we faced a lot of trial and tribulation as a family getting home. And so I really appreciated that response from them. On board the ship, I fault Disney for really, I think, three things on my own. One is lack of communication about what we were supposed to be doing. It felt like this was the first time they'd done this, and I can't believe it is. The second was really not testing Nathan and I on board the ship. I think that from a public health standpoint, it would have been better if they tested us. I would have preferred to have been quarantined away from other guests if I posed a health risk to them. And I'll say this third, Sam was not the only person I believe on board that ship who had COVID. One, she had to get it from somewhere. But two, I heard on the pool deck many, many people on the last scene with hacking coughs that sounded suspiciously like Sam. And I have a feeling all that was going on is that they were not reporting themselves to the health service in the way that Sam did. And so I do fault Disney taking that approach to things because, you know, look, personally, we're in this place where we have two conflicting public health messages, in my opinion. One is no one can get COVID and we have to prevent its transmission at all costs. And the other is live your life because this Omicron variant is not that bad and it just gives you a cold. But the reality when you're sailing on a cruise is then if you catch COVID, you have to cut your cruise short and go into quarantine. So your vacation is ruined and interrupted and there's a lot of hassle to get back home from wherever you are. We undertook this vacation knowing that that was a risk. We accepted that risk. We ultimately paid the price for that risk and appreciate Disney's compensation. But if we're truly going to operate under these protocols that Disney has set, then I really think they need to do a better job of ensuring that guests on board are truly taking the message seriously, that if they have COVID-like symptoms, they need to report those and be tested. Because I guarantee there were other people running around, and we have since learned from our cruise group that multiple additional individuals tested positive for COVID. After the cruise disembarked, we were the only family who reported it and underwent sort of the quarantine issue. So... Sam, I don't know what else you have thoughts about here. So I'll I'll agree with everything you said. I'll add a couple of things. One is that 
Disney Cruise Line also told us that they're compensating us for the, essentially the day of the cruise that I missed. So they're prorating our cruise costs. So that's another thing that they're compensating. I completely agree with Brian. All of the communication after we disembarked has been really, really great. All the shoreside people we've been dealing with have been really uh, nice and giving us lots of information. On board, the communication was was terrible in a couple of ways for me. One, when I was initially told I was positive and talked to Ships Medical, they did not tell me I was not quarantining in our room. So I had to be told by guest services folks that I was going to be going to have to pack up my stuff and move rooms. I also agree with Brian. They should have done um, tests of him and Nathan on board. Although, like I said, I believe they likely got uh, COVID from me probably in the car, even though we were fully masked. It's just, and I had cracked my window open, but it was still, we were in such close quarters for those full two days, even fully masked. I'm just not sure there's any way to keep them from getting COVID. The other thing I will say is I have the best and smartest husband in the world, and I have to give a shout out to him for a couple of different things. One, for suggesting I call Ships Medical in the first place. Uh, It was the right call, despite the fact that I had a negative antigen test. Two was, you know, taking care of Nathan for the entire time without me, which I know is when you're not used to being a solo parent, not always uh, something you look forward to. And then the third thing I would say is Brian made the executive decision on Friday when we were disembarking the ship. I had said, you know, we can go to the Grand Cal and I'll just quarantine there. We've got a three bedroom villa. I'll just quarantine in one of the rooms so that I don't get anybody else sick. And, you know, I want you and Nathan to be able to experience Disneyland. Now, I was, of course, in a COVID haze at that point. I was pretty sick at that point. I had been throwing up throughout the night that night in my stateroom. And Brian said, no, I think we should just head home because if I get sick, you know, I'm not going to be in any condition to drive us home in two days. And he was 100% right, because obviously from being within close quarters with me, he ended up getting sick just right after we got home. So he was super smart in making that decision. And I have to also say that Brian says we drove. No, no, he drove the entire way. So he drove for, you know, approximately 10 hours. We were in the car for longer, but he drove for approximately 10 hours on Friday and another 10 hours on Saturday. So there were two uh, long days and he is the best for taking care of me and Nathan in that time period and driving us all the way home. The other thing I would say is I agree with Brian. There were likely other people on board with COVID that had symptoms. I remember when I took Nathan and his friend to the to Azure for, to see the magician that the night, actually the night I first got sick, although I didn't realize at the time that I you know, was having COVID symptoms because they were super duper mild. It was just a tickle in my throat at that point. Um, but we were looking for seats in the Azure lounge and there were, looked to be some open seats kind of in the middle of the theater. And I walked over to see if they were open or if somebody was saving them. And a woman said, oh, no, my son just threw up right here. That's why, you know, that's why they're open. So we, of course, walked away to find other seats. But I realized, you know, when I got sick, I was vomiting. Now, that's not a super common symptom of COVID, but apparently it's not uncommon either. It's the way your body is you know, reacting to fighting the virus. So I would not be surprised if that kid had COVID at that point. And like Brian said, there were definitely other people that he heard on the pool deck that day and the next day and Sonata day that were hacking and um, that sounded very similar to me. It's unfortunate that other folks are not reporting, but it's something people should be aware of. Is it going to stop Brian and I from cruising again? No. 
It's not. But are we going to think a little bit differently about masking? Yes. I mean, I got more lax on that second cruise and we paid for it, you know, because I got more lax. Now, to be fair, we might have gotten COVID anyway. The amount of social distancing on board on that second cruise uh, was really non-existent. The tables are back to being pretty close together in the dining rooms. So it, it, it is, I think, going to be hard to avoid. And the other thing I would, the last thing I would add is the antigen testing. So they just started doing on Disney Cruise Line, instead of PCR tests before embarkation, they switched to antigen tests. And I will say, I do think that's a bit of COVID theater. And I say that's COVID theater because I personally know antigen tests are not nearly as accurate as the PCR tests. And so they may have had people getting on the ship with COVID. I'm, in fact, I'm sure that that's what happened. They, they had people test negative on the antigen testing for pre-cruise who actually did have COVID and brought it on board with them. I don't want to say we definitely got it on the cruise. We did get off, could have gotten it in a port. I do think there's a higher likelihood than not because most of our port activities were outdoors or with other cruise passengers indoors that our, our highest chance was on board the cruise. Can't trace it exactly. We don't know if it was on the first cruise or the second cruise either. It's possible it was on the first. But you know, it was a consequence of the vacation. And I do agree with Sam's statement that those antigen tests at the beginning are just kind of COVID theater. And I just want to be clear, we've gotten some remarks from people reviewing the show about our stance on COVID and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, fine. My point here is not political. My point is just if you're going to have a protocol to try and prevent the transmission from COVID, uh, the antigen tests are just not going to not going to really do it right now. Sam tested negative the same day she got a positive PCR test. And so she was walking around with symptoms of COVID and still tested negative on an antigen test. And so at that point, I just look at it and go stop testing. Right. I mean, just just if you're going to stick with an antigen test and stop testing, I completely understand why the cruise line has moved to antigen tests. They're faster. And they're now pushing, you know, 1,900 tests through as opposed to 400 or 700 tests through. They don't have time for the PCR tests, you know, at this point in their estimation, and they're probably more expensive. So I, I get it. But at that point, then I feel like we just need to say, you know, this whole idea of quarantining and testing is just unnecessary on board because people are going to get it. And we know that people did and we know that Sam did. So that's our opinion. And, you know, if you don't like it, then there are other podcasts out there you can listen to. That's just what I'll say. So, all right. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. We are home. We are healthy again. Uh, you can probably hear in our voices, we're still a little congested, but we are over the the biggest hurdles of COVID now. Uh, I had my first negative COVID test uh, today. I think Sam is now testing negative. We are going to explore getting another PCR test here in the next couple of days uh, so that we can perhaps get the 90-day recovered letter for our wish cruise, because I would sure hate for that to be derailed by a positive COVID test as a result of this. Uh, but we will see. We will see how that goes. Sam said it won't prevent us from cruising again. We're looking forward to sailing on the wish. We've got a Disneyland trip coming up here in, in May. We've got our big trip to uh, to London and Dover in September. So it's not changed our mind on, on cruising, but it has sort of changed our thinking over the precautions we will take personally on board just to help keep our family healthy. So thanks everyone for listening. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode and <laughs> us going above and beyond for our listeners out there to really get the whole cruise line experience in you know, Sam went out there and got COVID for everyone. So, uh, so yeah, no, just kidding. Uh, but hope you enjoyed the show and, and that uh, our insights are helpful for you out there as you get back to cruising. Thanks a lot for listening. See you next time. See you real soon. Well, thanks as always for listening to our bonus episode this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have uh, suggestions for bonus content that we could put out, hey, let us know. 
questions, people you'd like us to talk to, that sort of thing. We're always open to show suggestions. So just let us know. So with that, just thanks to everyone out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews. We love reading the reviews from our listeners and connecting with you in that way. And we love reading them on the main show each week. So head over, leave us those five-star reviews. We've got a few left to read, but we'll run out quickly. So don't miss your chance. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can browse over to youtube.com slash dclduo to see some of the videos we put up from our vacations. And if you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash dclduo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to defray the cost of the show each and every month. You can also support the show by browsing to touringplans.com slash travel to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Just let them know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney Cruise or Disney Vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Thank you.